Oh, Fairyland. All right. So, well, I mean, yeah. happy pandemic anniversary, everyone. Right? Oh, fuck. One year. Pandiversary. Pandiversary. It's not a year after you get a panda. Well, and here's the thing it's a year and a day, and then now we're officially married. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if today's right. the one year anniversary, <laughs> yeah. then next right. year, and if once we eat that old cake, we'll be officially hand fasted to the pandemic. The pandemic's one year old today, so that means it gets to eat a cupcake and it gets to get it all over its face. <laughs> an anniversary even for the best of cases <laughs> no not really not not a, not a cause for celebration this episode of it will probably be okay was recorded after one year of staying inside judging people for not wearing masks and by the letter q welcome probably be okay. Today, we've made the choice to discuss choices. Each day, truly each second and millisecond of our days are filled with these little moments inside our brain where we are choosing. Some decisions are small, like should I brush my teeth before or after a shower? While others are life-defining. I want to thank you, whoever you are, who has made the choice to grant the three of us access to your ear holes today. I'm Nick, and I choo choo choose to be here tonight. I'm the Kenji, and I'm always, always pro-choice. And my name is Gabe Wollenberg, and I could not decide, and yet I still have made a choice. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. And this is where the Rush song will fade in. And then fade back out. And we've got it. We're done. We made the rush joke. We can move on. Perfect. Yes. Check (laughs) Check that box. So we've all made a choice today about what we want to talk about. And I've decided to talk about choices. Some are hard. Some are easy. Some seem like choices, but aren't really choices at all. Some are big. Some are small. Some require long, detailed conversations with a trusted friend or family member. Some define us. Some seem small at the time, but take on a life-changing role eventually. Are there too many choices? Sometimes it seems like it. So let's talk about the big ones. I went and I found Lifehacker's list of the 10 difficult decisions you will make in life. My goal is not to necessarily go through all of these and talk about each and every one of how we chose these individual things, but rather to just kind of, you know, stop on them for a second, tell you what they are. And if you have an interesting anecdote or story that you want to share, please feel free to jump on in. So number 10, choosing a college major. Um, I got a communications major at my university and I really like just didn't know what else to do. I remember being in the advisor's office and her being like, you know, what, what, what do you like? And I was like, well, I don't know. Not really, really anything that I can think of. And somehow we roundabout way made our way, probably maybe because she was a communication professor to the fact that I should do communication. And it seems in retrospect, like a really big choice 
to not really have a like a seam on what I wanted, but I but I truly don't or, remember. Or to have sought a second opinion. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, I asked this architect what school I should go to, and he's like, I don't know. I picked architecture because it was the first one. <laughs> and so now I'm an architect. Yeah, exactly. It's just architect art. Okay, well, I'm going with architect. So what I'm what I'm kind of hoping to do with this is, like I said, you don't have to, you know, you, Nobody has to go through their their feelings and everyone. But what I'd like to do at the end of the 10 is I would like to just for each of us to note if we felt like we made the, the choice, each of these choices with conviction, or if we felt like we kind of just backed into them, like, mm-hmm. like I kind of did with my choice of a college major. So we're going to, at the end of this, we're going to actually see how, how choice-driven or how, how data and information driven our choices have been. Yeah. Or even just like what our ratios are. Yeah, exactly. And does Um, that ratio have an impact in who we know ourselves to be, or does it surprise us? Right. I think that's really interesting. This is one of those awesome things that it's like a a pseudo metric, right? Like, yeah, this is, you're collecting data points that may or may not be valuable, but you can make some neat charts with them. So yeah, I love this idea. So I set up a couple of columns here and I'm gonna put tallies under them. One for conviction and one for bought in. And then I'll be able to give you a ratio of of the 10, how many did I have a conviction and how many were based on uh, backing in. Yes. I'm gonna give you a clue. Right now I've got zero conviction and one backing in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because well, I can tell you, but I feel like I, I, I'm having a little trouble. Is it a conviction or is it backing in? I have a bachelor's of the arts in writing from the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater with a minor in journalism. Mm-hmm. The reason I don't have a bachelor's of science of writing is because I didn't want to take another math class. I, I, yeah, I get it. One other math class. And I think that was a conviction, frankly. I agree. <laughs> but it was an ill-informed one. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah. But agree on both, on both counts. Um, so I guess I will call that a conviction. Nikenji, you want to talk about how you came to choose whatever of the many degrees <laughs> you have? Well, I was, I have a bachelor's in global studies, which had a, a track in marketing. And I chose that because the school I got a full ride to, I looked at their entire court list of, of majors. And that was the one that I felt like, you know what, I can do something with this. It wasn't my intention. My, I have a, what do you call it? An A-levels a level degree, associate's degree in technical studies, which is basically a precursor to engineering in the Caribbean. Mm. And so that was quite a switch for me. So I guess I backed into the idea of global studies because I was going to find a way by hook or by crook to make use of a full ride. Sure. It still seems though, like in a way, like, you know, like it seems like counting yours as backing in when like you like did a review of all the possible majors. Whereas like, I was just like, 
I don't know, advisor, what do you think I should do? Like, it seems like there's different degrees of this. The next, number nine, true deciding on a career. I'm going to go, I feel like I decided there were jobs that I applied to, uh, or there, I didn't apply to jobs that I didn't think would utilize my skill set. So with regard to this, I'm happy to say that I, I felt like I did decide. Number eight, making a career change. I don't think I've ever made a career change. Well, even an employer. Yeah. I think empo- I think Does employer. Employer counts. change? Yeah, I think employer change. Yeah, employer change counts. I mean, then it'll always be a bit of both because the last one I got backed sure. out of. <laughs> not the last one, but the other one. <laughs> yeah, I mean. You got, you got promoted into the sky. or reduction enforced yeah i guess i guess mine like it like when i really get into the semantics of of my choice to um leave our former employer that we shared together i mean in some sense like i decided to go after there was something that happened that i felt like i couldn't abide so like Mm -hmm. in that way you know it wasn't it wasn't my choice to seek other opportunities, but I almost felt compelled to, like I had to, but I do mm-hmm. feel like, you know, it wasn't like a scenario where I was like, okay, I just got to take whatever job I can get to get out of here. I, I do feel like, like there was some deliberation. And again, like I felt like I was only applying to jobs that I was interested in. So I'm going to give myself a choice on that one. Number seven is go back to school or get an advanced degree. <laughs> After 20 years of working as a marketing slash newspaper writing slash technical writer and doing a lot of other nonsense in between, I went back to my roots and started substitute teaching because I wanted to know whether or not teaching, which had been my intended major when I enrolled at UW-Whitewater, was really worth investing in again. Or some more, or for the first time ever, depending on how you look at it. And I chose to, after doing that for a couple of years, to, yeah, pursue uh, licensure deliberately. And then, so deliberately is conviction. Like, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go get my licensure. And then it turned out they have this cool program that basically getting my licensure bought me halfway to a master's degree. So I got backed into getting a master's degree, which I never would have gotten, but my (laughs) licensure was intentional. So I'm going to mark it as conviction only because I don't want to keep adding half points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But just for the record, like, yeah, I I definitely had a little of both there, but mostly it was just, and maybe we could, we should probably save this for the wrap up, but who knows? I feel like there is a, an element of conviction that is not, like I think backing in and versus following synchronicities are different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like the synchronicity of my ending up with a master's degree that I will be earning shortly that I'm super proud of was not a conviction, but it wasn't really backing in either. It was just sort of wa- riding this wave of synchronicity. Sure. Mm. I guess I would say, um, for me, I, I had the conviction as a non-immigrant living in this country that no one was going to hire me for an H-1B visa at the level my career was. 
with a bachelor's degree. So I had the conviction that I simply must go to graduate school and that that would give me extra time to develop my skill sets, get more internships, and it worked. And so it was a mix of conviction and being backed into the idea of doing grad school. Mm. If it if it's valuable to you, you know, the the when <laughs> this is always a weird way to phrase it, but your master's degree was a big advantage that you had as a candidate for the job that I decided we needed to hire you for to irritate everyone that I could in the rest of the organization. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was like, I, like, I was like, I need to bring, we need, like, she's the one who um, confronted me during the interview with my, against my bad ideas and judgment. And so I want her. And also she has a master's degree. And that was kind of what slammed the door. Good on you, Gabe. Most people, most people would react very differently. Number six, figure out where to live. Ooh. I mean, I guess I would say like, I, you know, like in, in one sense, I feel like we kind of got backed in by, by housing prices and and what was available in the areas that we were looking. But in another sense, we chose to live in a neighborhood where, you know, we have three other couples that we're close friends with within walking distance. So we did our due diligence all over town, but we eventually decided this neighborhood and and Wisconsin is going to be the state for you. You know, that's, that's a great point, Nikenji, you know, I mean, yeah, like, like, I, I feel like it was always one of those things where, you know, it's like, well, this is where my family is. So this is where I have to live. And I got to tell you, after the, the past year that we've had, oh, I should have thought about where I wanted to go. I would like to tell you that I backed into coming back to my hometown after living happily for 20 years in the city of Milwaukee, but it was not a backed in. It was a conscious choice. It was driven largely by employment disorder, but we all had come to the agreement that coming to Watertown was where we needed to be specifically for family's sake. And I will also say that when I was fresh out of college, I had been working at the tech company for about three months or so, I got a job offer to come out to San Francisco and become a magazine and internet writer for a company that would eventually become Imagine Media, who you might know from such websites as IGN. Wow. And they had offered the job and I we had hemmed and hawed and decided with conviction that neither of us were willing to be that far from our families. So like, you're not alone there, (laughs) Nick. Um, And I don't regret it because three months later, that that wing of Imagine Media, which was not IGN, but the wing that I would have gotten hired to closed down entirely. And the kid from Michigan who took the job went home with his tail between his legs. Oh no. Yeah, I mean, it's not really surprising that, you know, Gabe and I ended up living pretty close <laughs> to where, they, where we grew up. What, what about you, Nikenji? Um, I feel like I've never had a choice. I've always felt like I don't have a safety net. I am mm-hmm. my safety net, and I go where the opportunity is. And so in my brain, I have this 
kind of uh, strange dichotomy of wherever I put up my flag is now my home, but also I don't have a home because I've been away from Barbados long enough that mm-hmm. there is no home there and it's not like there's a family home to go back to or something. So for me, where I live has always been about, well, Baltimore was the scholarship. Milwaukee was the scholarship for Marquette. Mm-hmm. I mean, I moved to Milwaukee sight unseen. Mm-hmm. I just packed up my Jarji bundle and I headed to Milwaukee. <laughs> Confident that after four years of college, I'd figure it the fuck out. And I did. <laughs> and then I married a Wisconsinite and that kind of made it like, okay, probably are going to stay. Mm-hmm. But even when I have entertained moving, I just look at costs of living Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I don't want to. So I guess I've finally reached the point in my adulthood where it's a choice to not look for jobs elsewhere because financially it just doesn't make sense to have that increase of cost of living until maybe I'm like at an executive level. Yeah. And yeah. then it makes sense. But right now, when I think of like my my friends in Baltimore, what they pay for rent, <laughs> Nikenji, when you're at an executive level, because I I feel certain you're going to get there. Can you please hire me? So the next one, I don't really have anything interesting to say about. But number five is rent or buy a house. I'll just say that I backed into that because in Watertown, the rental prices are higher than the purchase prices. How broken is that? Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> that yeah, terrible. As I get older, where I am currently, I feel like could, I could be here until I'm like at least 40. And I feel like I'm approaching that point, I think, with some version of job stability and where I live now and the fact that the cost of rent goes up every year that at some point I might reach the the question of should I just purchase a home mm-hmm. versus rent? And so right now it's still rent because for me, I don't like being tied down to things mm-hmm. and I quite enjoy it. But I think I'm also a math person when it comes to like financial planning and one day the, the scales are just going to be tipped. <laughs> yes, yes. To where it uh, makes sense. Number three, get married or not. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to take the fifth on that one for now. But the, <laughs> yeah, truth is, the, the truth is Jenny needed insurance. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> number two, have children or not. Did you really, like, growing up, you really thought you'd have kids? Yeah, yeah. I I thought of myself being a dad. I I really did. I I thought it just, I mean, you know, you you never know. Like, in in a sense, I I think you, as we're going through this, part of me feels like you can almost make a case that all of these things are one or the other, or maybe a mix of both. I mean, in a way, like, I guess I always thought that because, you know, all of the media that I consumed and, and all of the people around me always talked about, you know, and, and, and did procreate and did have kids. And that was just kind of what you did. 
But I always, I always liked kids. I always thought they were fun. They always kind of got my goofiness and my silliness in a way that <laughs> adults don't always get. So yeah, like I always, I always thought like I can't wait to have kids of my own. And I like, cannot imagine that. I mean, it's like it's tiring and it's difficult, but it is the most fun thing I ever did. I, I, I hats off to you. Having a captive audience is like my dream <laughs> and I've got it now. I always imagined being somebody's daddy. I don't mean that in the creepy way that the kids talk about it now. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But you know, that word is broken. Like you can't use it the is. word daddy yeah. in front of 14 year olds because they have, it's not what it means. <laughs> it's not what it meant to me. However, I always wanted to thought of myself as have, would eventually make a wonderful caregiver. But Jennifer had never explored the idea <clears throat> and we discussed it at length when we were dating and the reality was I had come to accept that if I chose to spend my life with this person, that it would be a life without offspring. Mm -hmm. And then my uh, niece Kira was born and I was, what do they call it? Dandling her on the edge of a chair at Christmas time, right? Like just sitting there like doing weird baby stuff yeah. <laughs> that you do to babies yeah. because they're babies. Their backs aren't very strong. <laughs> oh, no. So, so she was shaking, you know, like wiggling, like, like she was my, like she had like a tremor. And so I held <laughs> Kira up on this thing and I'm dandling her. And I started using my grandmother's voice to chastise me. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh, Gabriel. <laughs> why would you go around with that catholic I'm like jenny's not catholic grandma <laughs> oh gabriel oh my gosh and then my sister came over and snatched her daughter away from me and said no <laughs> and i didn't get to hold her for another year <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> So then you realized, like, if you're going to be able to do stuff like this, you need to have a child of your own because no one else will let you do it. Yeah. Is that the story? Well, actually, worse than that, Jennifer realized <laughs> that you're just going to not be arrested for doing stuff like that. <laughs> That's so great. Oh. I wanted to tap, tap back to like having children or not. Yeah. Both of you guys described kind of wanting to be fathers, and I I do not have. I have never. To me, children would have to be a thing I backed into, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. you know how sometimes people have spouses that they don't want to have kids with. And then they get divorced and then they get married and then suddenly they have five kids. Mm -hmm. I feel like that could possibly be my situation because I feel like you have, if you have kids, it's really important to feel, well, as a woman, to feel safety, security, and reliability mm -hmm. in a spouse. There's no way that my womb is going to produce any sort of hormonal urge to procreate. But also, I feel like I don't see myself as a good potential parent. And 
I think there are too many opportunities to ruin a child and I don't trust myself to not ruin a child. But then there's this other part of me that feels like the only way there would be a conviction to have a child is if suddenly at 45, I'm like, fuck it, I'm getting a sperm donor because I want to have a kid. And that goes back to the trauma response of being hyper independent. But again, I would want to have a kid on my own, by my own, knowing it's just me. Mm-hmm. And that is the one situation in which I can think of that I'd be like ecstatic about having sure. a child. That makes total um, sense. It makes total sense. And if this metaphor works for you, great. If it's insulting, we'll cut it out. But. <laughs> I don't get puppies anymore. I adopt dogs because it's much easier for rescue dogs because it's much easier than for me to emotionally know it wasn't me that fucked them up. God, that makes so much sense. Why did I get a puppy? Like, what was I thinking? Why didn't you tell me this? Why didn't you tell me this like three months ago, Gabe? <laughs> And the the final category, and this one's going to be really harder to pin down, but but it is an incredibly important one. Know when when it's time to quit, and then in parentheses it says anything. So so knowing when it's time to quit, I just have a, a story that like I wanted to share with regard to that, and how important knowing when it's time to quit is in my life. When I was in college, I was in a pretty r- rocky relationship with my girlfriend at the time we'd been together for about a year she had had some personal struggles i was you know i hadn't been in many relationships i i didn't know what i was doing and we were we kept kind of going back and forth we kept going on and off finally it seemed like oh it seemed like it was over to me she had confessed that she had a crush on one of my best friends it was just like not great so we were having a party at my house I think we maybe broke up on like a Sunday. We we're having a party at my house the next Friday. We we're at my apartment, my college apartment. And she called up and she said, I know we're broke up, but you know, we both said we wanted to stay friends. You know, your friends are my friends now. I, I would love to still come to the party. And I said, yeah, that's, that's fine. Whatever. And then as the week went on, I was just kind of like, you know what? I've dealt with this person and they're, you know, and they've dealt with me in a lot of ways, but I've dealt with this person and the difficulties um, of dealing with them for a year now. And now that I'm free, I just, I don't want to have them at my party. Like I just want to party. I just want to be with my friends. <laughs> I, I don't want to deal with it. I, I felt like it was time to quit. And so I called her a couple of days before and I said, Hey, you know, I, I, I thought about it and you know, I, I, I do think, you know, I, I want to remain in contact with you, but I just, I really don't want you to come to the party. And she didn't come. And that night I met Michelle who I've now been married to for eight years. We dated probably for eight years before we got married. So we've been together for a long time. But, uh, you know, I often wonder, I made that choice. I, I told my girlfriend not to come, my old girlfriend not to come. And I often wonder, like, how different my life may have turned out had I not done that. Had I spent the whole night hanging out with her, she was pretty shy. You know, Michelle was at the party with some friends that were kind of like tangentially connected to our group. So a very soft tie. I might not have ever seen her again, but, you know, I told my girlfriend not to come and Sean and I ended up talking for that whole night and the rest is history. So 
that was kind of that that's my that's my story that's really nice though nick that's really a nice story is that um, serendipitous i feel like I it think, is yeah i think that's exactly following the connections that life puts in front of you that you can choose to follow or not uh, so the choice is there in some regards but the connections are yours to make right yeah, like so yeah. or, so predestiny is there in some regard but the choices are there to make um, she was going to be at the party either way yeah. the choice that i made was going to determine whether yep. or not we mm-hmm. potentially connected and, and so I yeah, actually it's a little both i'm going to pause just to highlight that this was this will definitely be our unpublished hold steady lyric of the week it's a song called a very soft tie and the lyric is we broke up on a friday we wanted to stay friends i still want to come to your party yeah that's beautiful i love it that is an incredible hold steady mm-hmm. lyric it totally is it would fit it would fit right in so do any are we ready to reveal did anybody else have anything that they wanted to mention about any of the other topics that we talked about or should we go to did we count? get all 10 yeah we did Okay, because I got confused with some of my half points. Yeah, so I yeah, want to yeah. make sure. I was at five and five, which I mean, I think like kind of speaks to the point that I made about how like maybe this is all just, you know, maybe it's a little of both, you know, maybe this isn't science. This, of course, isn't scientific. And, you know, I mean, I think, you know, do we make choices because of our circumstances or do we have circumstances because of our choices? I, I don't know. I think it's both. I'm a blend. I have I have a bit of five and five, but I have like three that are backing in and conviction. Mm-hmm. So like backed in to a degree, but had conviction and regarding a degree because I was going to use a fucking free ride. Sure. Then with some career changes, we're definitely just based off of, well, I need my H-1B visa and here goes a company that will mm-hmm. <laughs> apply for me. And then others were, I need to get the fuck out of here. Where do I go next? And then... The other one that's kind of hem and hawing is the decision to get an advanced degree. Definitely, I mean, again, it was free, so it's not like you know. I, I wouldn't. I, I hardly would ever recommend anyone pay for an advanced degree out of pocket, but it was free, and so like I was able to do it. But it definitely wouldn't have been like the plan if mm-hmm. not for my circumstances at sure. the time. Yeah, oh, 1,000%. In fact, I'll take that advice right now, and I'll just stop paying for my advanced degree. And also stop continuing to pay for my wife's, which she earned 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah, some of those just haunt you forever, and you just are okay with that. Oh, it's good debt, pro- Gabe. It's good debt. Because otherwise, uh. you'll, you cry yourself to sleep at night. How about this right, one? Right. Nick, Nick, it's cheap money. <laughs> It's not very expensive money. You're not paying a lot to have that money. <laughs> Hate that phrase. So I'm six to four conviction. And I, and I think, and I, I was going to, I pushed it to six because I didn't want to, I think it's really a seven to three. Oh. And, and I think the reason that it's seven to three is, and I, I do not want you to take this as ageist because it is not. I have simply had more chronological linear time on earth 
to make convictional decisions with conviction. If I put myself back to when I was 35 and 30, I can promise you that some of those convictions would convert over into backed ends. But because the later ones I decided to weigh heavier as convictions, I, I found myself that I had made more decisions because I had learned from experience that backing in doesn't work. I, I think that there's some truth to that. I, that 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 idea kind of crossed my mind too when I was looking at like a lot of the ones that I chose as backed into were some of like the earlier decisions I made, and I think it's because yeah, it's harder to have conviction when you don't have experience and you don't have times where you had conviction that it turned out good to like kind of look back on because there just weren't that many circumstances where that was the case. Yeah, and you don't have to make as many decisions when you are responsible to fewer entities. Sure, sure. That, yes. That <laughs> and I've been married for 21 years. Jeez. It'll be 22 this, this May. And like, so I've had 22 years of having to think about not just sort of floating around, you know, and I think that's a big part of it. And then I have a 15 years of, of the most de delightful little weirdo that I dondle on my knee even now at age 15 <laughs> and go, oh, okay, Brielle. I remember when she was a preteen, like, gosh, time flies. So I had prepared a long, boring introduction to M theory. And so M theory is this sort of idea that evolved out of string theory, which is this universal theory of everything that unifies gravity and electromagnetism. Mm -hmm. And it gets you to this idea of there being multiverses that splinter off from decision points. And I wanted to talk about that in terms of the reality of choices and the arrogance of human beings to think that our choices have this incredibly significance to them that an entire universe changes every time I make one decision or another. <laughs> and like, like that A is not how M theory works, but B, like there are a lot of people who believe that, <laughs> right? And, and maybe it's true. Maybe there are multiverses that are, you know, literally branching off from every possible conceivable recalculation of this moment. But that isn't, a thing that I think is other than a, a thought technology, super, super useful. Can I just say one thing about the, that <laughs> string theory? I, I didn't know what the name of it was, but back after, right after I graduated college, I was doing a lot of like short fiction writing. And I don't know if I've ever shared this story with you, Gabe, because I know we were sharing for a while, but I had written a story called everything happens, which is essentially like this, like, like dumb young kid who's like trying to impress this girl by like telling her about the string theory. But I didn't even know what the string theory was. I just knew that like, you know, this guy was saying like basically everything you can conceive of is happening in different, in different universes or different dimensions. And, you know, the, the whole gist of it was like, I guess we picked a pretty boring dimension. <laughs> like, it seemed really smart at the that's time, really, but like, I cringe really when I think story. about it now. No, no, that's great. <laughs> that is the perfect fresh out of college ennui oh, kind yeah. of story, right? Yeah, <laughs> indeed. 
And it's funny that you bring that up because the way I was going to then take it and turn it, when you think about dots in space that are strings that are connected to everything, and you take away the idea that these things are things at all, you get into what a, an idea that I like called mirological nihilism. And mirological <laughs> you nihilism. Had, you had me at nihilism. Yes. Mirological nihilism is the idea that there are no things. There are only simple particles arranged in ways we recognize as things. So there is no Gabe. There are just simples organized Gabe wise. <laughs> And I am talking across simples arranged internet wise with simples arranged Nick and Nikenji wise. And we are not sitting on a chair, but we are under the, our simples are arranged in a sitting Loke a sitting arrangement on top of other simples arranged chairwise. Well, okay, so so it is a little bit right. Like everything is this this mirological simple. You know, for a while it was atoms, right? Everything is made of atoms, and then what's the difference between? an atom that was in a piece of cat food and an atom that is now piece of, a piece of a cat. They're the same atom, right? It just is, it's gone through a transformation of the arrangement of how the simples are organized, right? So all of this nonsense, which is actually an incredibly complicated approach to philosophy, gets me to what I really want to talk about, because I set it up, I twisted, and now here comes the you're wrong about. I have heard the case and like the idea that actually we don't make choices. Ew. Because <laughs> if, okay, ready? If the entire world is an arrangement of simples representing other things, then all of those simples are on a calculatable path beginning at the Big Bang. Which means that whatever you're going to do to influence your immediate thing was predestined. It's the illusion of choice. It's the illusion of choice. Yes. But you still have to pick whether or not, like how I think of all of these, these theories is like, even if you believe in predestination, it doesn't occur without you happening. Ex right, right, and but not predestination, determinism. They're one and the same to me. So is there, are they? Is I don't know. I'm not super deep in this. Difference? Well, one of them involves theology and right and wrong and moral choices, and the other one is things masquerading as chairs bumping around. <laughs> I, I do feel like I feel like the nihilism of it is like, oh, choices don't matter. But at the same time, we still need, we still exist in whatever form it is that we exist. 
and we experience time in whatever way we experience time. And while we're here, we might as well make choices that feel good. Mm -hmm. That's the hidden in me. And so while it might end up being written already by some scribe of the ages, I still have to do the journey. Yes. Let's get rid of the scribe of the ages, though, and think about instead the scribe of the incredibly complicated math problem that gets from the Big Bang to the fundamental physical simple spatially arranged in Nikenji shape that is jointly perceived by those of us who have perceptual faculties like ours. It's all math. It's all math and I'm but a speck of dust. It's call it's a callback to last week's show. <laughs> yes. At the end of the day, it's math. I I actually thought to do something about like there you know, there is no thing as free will. And like, there are no choices, but like, I've never been able to get my head around that whole thing. So it's like, I would be the wrong person to try to be um, making that case. Well, and I don't think I'm the right person either. And I don't know that I believe it, but I think it is a delightful thought technology. (laughs) And it's delightfully absurd when you think about my friend, Nick, who is not a real thing, but in fact, a construct of the simplest star stuff that is arranged nickwise i think that's just ridiculous and i love yeah, it yeah it's pretty great ashes, ashes, the and the other part i'll just throw out there is that i was introduced to this determinism theory through a podcast called reconcilable differences where a macintosh fanatic and obsessive critic lays out his understanding of this sort of theory of everything physical determinism and his co-host rides him through the whole thing um calling it stupid stoner talk (laughs) (laughs) because both are right (laughs) we're gonna need some more drugs to have this conversation So I'm not really super nihilist, except that I am, and I've had a long week and a long day, and so I just really have been wanting to play with this idea with you guys to see what you thought of it. And Nikenji, you are, I think, 1000% right. Like, I don't believe that the human experience is merely atoms jumbling around i think there's something greater than that i think all three of us do given the the experiences we've had together you you mistake me i okay so i hope that there is nothing after this i hope we cease to exist every religion and philosophy where there is continuation deeply saddens me to my core and I really, like when people would be like, oh, your mom's in heaven. I'm like, I hope she ceased to exist. I want that for me. And I would wish that for everybody else. Let's not continue on. Like, let it just like, finish, you know, finish. 
Just end it. But do you know what the worst part is about that, Nakenji? Is that my philosophy is you remember your mom one way or the other, and so she's she lives. That could in be you. true. I mean, I don't want to get that all. Sounds like blanking. But I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to get all deep. Yeah, because like at the end of the day, like I just want Space Grandpa to be happy with me and give me a spot to sit in the clouds. <laughs> I'm agnostic, so I'm like, I don't know. I'm not apathetic, so I don't care. And it's wonderful. I've always taken comfort in the idea that like, <laughs> like whatever it is, it's way more complex than my simple human mind is capable of conjuring. So like, I don't really waste too much time, but I, I mean, it, it, it is hard for me and Kenji to reconcile the idea that on one hand, honor and love and morals and compassion and empathy all truly matter. But then on the other hand, to be like, and then you die and that's it. But like, I, I don't know that that means that I, I believe in any kind of like conventional cloudy heaven. I think it just means that there seems to be this great mystery of life because of the complex emotions that we're able to feel and because of the myriad choices we're able to make every day. It just seems like really silly if it was just happening for nothing, but I don't have a better explanation. I don't know. Nikenji, never forget you are on a telephone call with two Universal Life Church ministers. <laughs> that is a good point. That is a good point. And I'm willing to put the 35 bucks in if you would like the credential as well. <laughs> I just needed the credential to hang on my wall. I just wanted to have it there. And, you know, when I see it over on my wall, when I look over at it, when I'm like doing my work for my work at home desk, I'm like, yeah, I'm a minister. Feels pretty good. Mine's literally right behind me right now. Same thing. Does that count as an advanced degree? <laughs> well, I was backed into that advanced degree. Somebody asked me to marry them. <laughs> that was not choice driven. <laughs> there was no conviction behind that. So, Nick, what did we learn? What did we learn today? Well, we learn that we all get backed into things, but it's it's all part of the journey. We learned that there's much more about the multiverse that we don't know than that, that we know. And we learned that, you know, in spite of all of my month's worth of effort, somehow when we're going to make a our first t-shirt for this show it's going to have something to do with me saying that it's math <laughs> although i mean i would prefer for it to just be tell me more but like yeah. i mean <laughs> I tell me more on the front math on the back <laughs> <laughs> or we can combine it tell me feelings are math <laughs> Before I get into anything that you two want to share that you learned, I'm going to randomize our topic for next week. We will be discussing my very, very favorite moment of every day, dinner. 
Any lessons from you today, either of you? Yeah, I learned that my current feeling of being backed into the life that I have is likely to dissipate as I put more years under my belt mm -hmm. and I will have more, more chances than to be able to make choices out of conviction. And I do look forward to that. I learned, Nick, that according to Lifehacker, I will only ever need to make 10 hard choices. Yeah, that's true. That is a fact. <laughs> and I learned to beware the conjugations of Nick's simples arranged mind-wise. <laughs> <laughs> Which sometimes I just like a pretty phase. And then finally, I did learn that Nikenji goes where the opportunity is. <laughs> I think I already knew that actually, but. <laughs> I, it's not a bad philosophy. So I, I would just like to say that, you know, we all have choices. Some of them are very conviction based and some of them are backed into. And, and we all have a hard time making some of those bigger decisions and even some of those smaller decisions sometimes. But if we can continue to choose the path of being interested in life, of having meaningful conversations, of having the friendships that we have, even if we are all just a bunch of random particles, it will probably be okay. <laughs> and now we play the music arranged outro-wise. I think I already knew that, actually.